Welcome to Return to Ease, the show where we talk about different ways to live with more intention. Each week, we will discuss different ways to learn how to nourish our mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Rachel Pecora. I'm a licensed massage therapist and a John F. Barnes-trained myofascial release therapist. I am passionate about living an authentic life and want to help you return to ease. Welcome back to another episode of Return to Ease. Today we have special guest, Dr. Anna Asparam, who is triple board certified in integrative medicine, acupuncture, and pediatrics. She is a health coach for women looking to heal from chronic pain and autoimmune diseases. She also hosts a podcast called Health is Power. And today we will talk about how she was able to heal her own chronic pain and autoimmune issues, as well as talk about the mind-body connection and how that plays a role in our healing journey. So welcome to the show, Dr. Anna. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. I always love talking about my origin story, especially as a doctor. Um, I was actually a pain doctor. (laughs) Eventually, I became a pain doctor and then healed from my own chronic pain while I was a pain doctor. So it's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, I would love to hear about it. If you would like to share your a little bit of your background and kind of um, maybe some of your your the way that you found this path of healing your autoimmune and chronic pain issues, if you don't mind sharing those. Yeah. Um, yes. So it kind of all started uh, first year of medical school um, when I got super sick after I had a whole bunch of immunizations and then I got mono and something was not right. Um, Everyone in the conventional medical field was thinking it was chronic mono because I was just bedridden, super fatigued. Um, I had low blood pressures. Um, my cortisol was super low. I lost my menstrual period. Um, and then, uh, but as we looked a little bit further and I met some more specialists, um, what actually was going on was an autoimmune disease called, um, polyglandular autoimmune syndrome, um, where, um, antibodies attack certain endocrine glands in the body. So mine, it attacked the adrenal glands. So I barely had any cortisol. That's why I was having low blood pressures. Um, and I had super low cortisols in the morning and, and I had chronic infections. You can get a lot of chronic candidiasis. So I had systemic candidiasis is that yeast infection throughout, um, the gut and then also systemically. And, um, Um, you also have antibodies against your ovarian cells. Um, So I went into menopause at like age 24. Um, Yeah, it was so not fun. And and because of the hormonal changes, um, I also developed uh, endometriosis and a lot of um, menstrual pain and issues with hormone balance. And and I got a lot of ovarian tumors, weird type of masses in the ovaries because the hormones just went haywire. Um, So it was kind of a stress. It's kind of a struggle first year of med school. And so honestly, with autoimmune disease, um, that's what they were focused on. And I was just kind of like ignoring the pain symptoms at that time. And I was started on steroids. So you typically take, you're supposed to take steroids for life. Right. And I still, I just, yeah, I wasn't feeling like 
totally myself. And I was like, I want to feel better. I want to get through med school. Um, I want to be able to help people. I don't want to be disabled. I don't want to let this autoimmune disease ruin my life. And so I went to this integrative medicine doctor who was actually the director of integrative and um, orthomolecular medicine, which is now called functional medicine um, at that university that I was studying at. And she was like in this basement cubicle. Now she, then afterwards she had this whole like huge center, um, finally, cause it got real popular, um, at the med center, but she actually got me started on a lot of nutritional changes, um, different integrative therapies. Um, I was missing, I was so nutritionally insufficient cause I, cause I guess that, um, autoimmune disease also attacks the gut too. So I had leaky gut, um, and I had a whole bunch of food sensitivities because of that. So we had to restore my gut health, restore a lot of those food sensitivities, get off gluten, get off dairy, get off a lot of foods that were irritating me um, and causing a lot of inflammation. And I did a lot of IV vitamin C too for the infection, that systemic candidiasis, and that actually helped quite a bit. Um, And so I got a little bit better. I was able to make it through uh, med school and residency. um, But unfortunately, after I had built a pediatric integrative medicine clinic, I was seeing a lot of patients with pain and I was like, I have no idea what to do. And by this time I was board certified in integrative medicine. I was board certified in pediatrics and I was seeing patients with all these chronic health conditions and chronic pain. And in medical school and residency, I don't remember getting a ton of uh, lectures or um, books on chronic pain, headaches, or even a lot of autoimmune health issues other than how to diagnose them. So I went on to go get my medical acupuncture certification and um, because acupuncture has been well studied, especially for different types of pain syndromes. And I, that was like a big deal in the clinic. And I was seeing a lot of success with that, but for myself, when I eventually transitioned to direct this new headache pain treatment center at a children's academic medical center, they started mandating those um, flu uh, immunizations. And Mm. um, I didn't know it at the time, but then I developed right after that first shot, I developed severe um, pelvic pain. Like I was, I was like vomiting in the toilet. I like, couldn't move. I was like, I was about to go to the emergency room. I mean, I've, I've never experienced that kind of pain in my life. I thought like my insides were being ripped apart. And so went and got all kinds of pelvic pain therapy through a urogynecologist, went to pelvic pain, physical therapy, got started on that path, did a whole year of that, got better. Then I got my second, um, flu immunization and, um, developed a little bit of anaphylaxis allergy and I developed whole body pain, but it wasn't as bad. I could handle it. Um, and my medical team was like, Hmm, what is going on with this like temporal association with immunization? Am I allergic to it? Is there some autoimmune reaction because of my history of that autoimmune disease? 
But I was like, no, it's probably just like a virus or something around that time when you get those immunizations. And so um, then the third time I got it, I went into full-blown anaphylactic shock. Um, I developed, it was excruciating pain from head to toe in the myofascial tissue. Um, And it was like burning, aching. I was every kind of pain imaginable and I couldn't walk. And so I was so weak. Um, because of the pain inhibition, I thought it was like Yon Barre or something. Cause I was right. so weak, my muscles, I couldn't move and I couldn't walk. And so, um, then my medical team, you know, found out, okay, yes, this is an autoimmune or allergic reaction to the immunization is a rare reaction that you get an autoimmune induced neuropathy from some of the vaccine components or from the flu vaccine itself. Um, and, um, and what's interesting is that, you know, fibromyalgia, so even though it manifests as fibromyalgia, um, underneath is some immune dysregulation or an autoimmune disorder. And so they recently been studying fibromyalgia as more of an autoimmune disorder mm. where there's autoantibodies. Um, if you take it from fibromyalgia patients and put it into mice, those healthy mice develop fibromyalgia until they clear out those antibodies. Mm. So. So there's some more research to be done in this type of field, but, um, but yes, yeah, so no more immunizations for me. Um, and I had to figure out how to work again because I was almost disabled and I was going to go, um, almost go on to disability, but then my medical team, it was so incredible. You know, we did all the integrative therapies, the massage, uh, myofascial release. I definitely did that acupuncture, um, all the supplements that are like kind of mitochondrial supplements, like CoQ10, B vitamins, magnesium, some anti-inflammatories. They didn't work very well. Anti-inflammatories don't work super well for those women with fibromyalgia or neuro- uh, neuropathy, small fiber neuropathy is what it's called. Um, and, and so I got a little bit better, but I was still in such severe pain that I was like, I have to do something else. And so I just broke down, spoke to God and just prayed. And I was like, I need help. And um, it was then that I started going along the spiritual healing, um, side where I learned a lot of, um, issues that I was really disconnected from my true authentic spirit. Um, I had to really like come back to my goals and align with who I was instead of trying to do everything for this academic medical system that was not in alignment with who I was. And so there was that disconnect. There was also um, a traumatic component where um, I had a a history of trauma, you know, back from childhood that actually got triggered by those mandatory immunizations where something was forced on me. And so I think I associated that um, immunization being forced to have that um, with something that was forced on me in, in childhood that led to consequences. And so I didn't work through that very well. I thought I did. I went through therapy, but I guess it was still there. I don't think I forgave myself. I don't think I forgave others. And so I had to work on that and I had to integrate, you know, that traumatic component, um, with those two events that happened to me. Um, and so, uh, those were, those were big 
uh, I would say those were the biggest healing techniques for me to get me over the hump from this super bad chronic pain that just racked my entire body was the intuitive healing, the spiritual healing, and then that release um, and that kind of forgiveness of that trauma. Yeah. I think a lot of that, you know, traumas, whatever kind it's like stored somewhere in our body, a lot of times in our fascial system. And so we start having symptoms and we're, we have physical symptoms and they have, you know, been manifesting for so long from something we haven't dealt with is consciously or unconsciously traumas, or they could even be something simple that, you know, didn't realize were a problem until now you have some chronic thing going on and then you start peeling back the layers and you're like, Oh, that's all related. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause my, she was both a massage therapist and she did myofascial release. She was certified in myofascial release and she would, she did kind of somatic release, you know, with that trauma component. And she would yeah. know it was like, she also intuitively spiritually knew there was trauma embedded into the myofascial tissue. So yeah. yeah it, and, and we could bury it in other places as well. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the trauma that um, some of it was sexual trauma where it had manifested in a lot of the pelvic area, the endometriosis, the ovarian tumors and and things like that, where you keep it there. Um, So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how we do have to put uh, and pay attention to that as well as a lot of forgiveness. Forgiveness is so, so much harder than um, just asking yourself to forgive. It's like, you have to kind of work through and feel that trauma that you've been through, forgive it and release it, but also kind of surround it with love yourself with love, but also that event with love um, and forgiveness. Yeah. There's so many components that are, it's all wrapped up in, you know, it's not just one thing. It's so many things. And I think a lot of times um, I, I work with the people that I work with are chronic pain. Mostly that's kind of the, some, some are on the spiritual journey, healing journey of whatever, but a lot of it comes from chronic pain. And so I work with a lot of people that have all these symptoms and, you know, they're going to their doctors or their medical teams and they're not being believed that they have these, you know, um, symptoms or, you know, there's being told it's in their head or, or, or the other aspect is like, this is the worst case of X, Y, and Z that I've seen. And so then the person is, oh my gosh, I have the worst case of this. And so they kind of start living with that worst case scenario. And I, I think that it can, you know, there could be so many things that are causing this, but now they have these symptoms and they haven't addressed the other things that have happened in their lifetime that have gotten to them to this point. And so now they're just, I'm the worst case scenario. So what do yes. you offer to people that are, do you experience that in your um, profession too? Or people are, you know, identifying with certain things that they've been told and or yes. not believed. I, I think that's yes. a big thing too. Yeah. Both. And, and um, yeah, there's a couple of sides to that too, where some people, um, you know, identify with their health issues. Like I, you know, I, their, it's their chronic pain or it's their pain. Um, it's my autoimmune disease. It's, you know, um, it, you know, for example, if we have really complex, you know, pain cases that are from specific diseases, um, or a genetic issue, they will always 
define themselves as having that genetic issue. And they're always going to have those problems in life. And so the difficult part of that labeling is that then they always think they're going to have that disease. You know, right. if it if it's a genetic issue, if it's an environment, and if it's triggered by environment or some type of stress, um, it does not mean you always have to have that disease. I was supposed to have that polyglandular autoimmune disease forever. I've been off the steroids for years. Um, I still have to watch out for it because you know I still can have exacerbations, but I don't have to rely on that medicine that I'm supposed to be taking for years. And same thing with chronic pain, a lot of us may um, say, hey, you're just going to have to accept, you know, this chronic pain, you're just going to have to deal with it for life. Um, And so then all these patients and people are going to go around thinking, oh, I'm just, I'm going to live with this forever. I, you know, I am going to accept this um, as part of my life. And that doesn't have to be true. And that's one um, issue in the, the medical field where we don't have all the answers and we don't know all the answers. And a lot of people think we do. And, you know, even though I'm triple board certified and I'm actually going to be quadruple board certified, I still don't know much. And there is just so much more to you as a human being besides your biochemistry, anatomy, and physiology that is going unrecognized in the medical field. We we have psychologists and we have social workers, but again, um, there's a lot more to it than just cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance therapy. Um, There are some deep emotional issues that are also spiritual issues that you can't necessarily get help from, from the conventional medical healthcare practitioner. Yeah. Maybe you can answer this, but, um, why do you think that traditional healthcare doesn't encompass more like, you know, physicians are touted as the best of the best. And like, that's the, they know everything when, you know, we were human, we don't know everything. Um, but like you're the doctor, you're supposed to know everything, but why do, why do we get these? Like, you know, why isn't there more encompassing with that to help people? I mean, well, yes. And I, I think there's multiple reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons is definitely um, how the medical system initially was built, because before we could have had a much better health system if, for example, maybe the Rockefellers didn't get involved as much in the very beginning when it was more um, going towards petroleum-based pharmaceutical products, and so they had to sell those. And so, really, the medical schools changed to promote, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and and biochemically based diseases, so that we could just give a pill, for example. Yeah. And so that's how kind of the medical system is based versus maybe more holistic where the osteopathic medical schools really could have grown to be much, you know, more than the MD schools where they have a more holistic viewpoint. Um, and, and now the conventional medical system also is tied into the industry of the healthcare insurance where the insurance is not going to reimburse 
for right. A, right these you know emotional spiritual um healing methods that aren't necessarily based on a randomized controlled trial which is the gold standard for getting something covered um in yeah, yeah. so it it is a tough component the other the other thing too that i i probably more experience because I've been in academic medical centers and academic medical centers is where all the research happens, all the innovation happens in healthcare. And there is quite a bit of ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are super Big part. <laughs> yeah. And so I honestly, I didn't really quite fit into my counterparts and my peers um, because I just, I always felt like I didn't know anything. And I think that now that is a good thing to think that way, because it, it is dangerous to think that, um, you know, everything as a doctor, um, because everything changes. I mean, yeah. really in 10 to 20 years, you know, pain care is probably going to change. And what we've been doing now is not what is going to be good down the road. So, um, so yeah, there's that too. Yeah. It's kind of funny you say that because, um, one of the things that I've been taught through my myofascial release journey with learning that, um, we're taught, you know, if you, if you think, you know, what you're doing, when you go into the room, you don't know what you're doing. And so it like, kind of makes you check your ego at the door. Like, okay, I'm not going to make a plan because I don't know what this person is needing in this very moment. Like I can, I can speculate, but I need to really, you know, use my intuition and I need to just see what's happening in this very moment and not base it off of like what happened last time I did this to a, a patient, you know, and, and just kind of like take this person and their specific symptoms and, um, you know, health history and kind of make my own plan, but not having a plan is, is hard, you know, you're, you're taught to make a plan and it's hard to, you know, just like, well, I'm going to just freestyle this in my brain. <laughs> well, and you, that like exactly what you said, using your intuition is just being present for that patient because that patient is so unique. That individual is so unique. It's not like any other individual. And unfortunately in the conventional traditional medical field, every patient is, should be the same. And that's, that's also not true. Um, everyone has their own unique biology, their unique environment, their unique biochemistry. Yeah. So it's tough to really go off. I mean, research is great and I love research. It's just, it's not going to take care of the individual using your intuition, being present for that person is absolutely the most wonderful gift that you can give to each patient, each client. And um, even like ancient um, acupuncturists, they'll say the best acupuncturist is honestly not knowing all the acupuncture points and the flow of the meridians. It's all about really being focused and present with that patient and almost sharing yeah. that energy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I bet that that's probably like in my industry, I, you know, I'm a massage therapist by my licensure and that's kind of like innate for us. We are like, just, we embody that, like that woo stuff that other people are kind of weird about. And I bet that's really difficult to like transition your brain into using that intuition side of, of your brain when like everyone is taught to be so linear. And then you're like, actually I have to use the linear stuff, but I also have to use my intuition. <laughs> So it's yeah. difficult to like shift all of that. And it is, it is so hard, especially in the medical clinic. It is yeah. like, and I, I do, um, I'm, 
I'm taking a master's program. I'm level three right now with the clairvoyant healing program. So, and she always teaches me, uh, my teacher, Deborah Katz, she's, um, she's like, okay, well, you know, just connect with their crown chakra, every single patient, and then just allow that intuition to unfold. Um, and so, but it's hard because you're like, have to know, okay, you're going in there. You're like, you got to know all the medications. You got to know their health history. You got to use your logic and then trying to incorporate that intuition. It is really tough. So coaching, when I'm doing my coaching, it's so much easier because I can really focus on the intuition and then kind of leave the medical aside. So trying to piece those out is a lot easier than combining it. But one day I do want to have my own private practice after I do this residency program and um, osteopathic neuromusculoskeletal medicine and really um, combine it all um, and see where I go with it. That would be really special. People, people need that. You know, there's, there's so much, uh, there's a lot going on in the world. So we need, we need people that are more connected. I think that that's very important to have people that are more present and that's what we all want. We all want that connection. Um, We all want to be seen and heard and understood and, you know, recognize that like I have this or, you know, someone to like tenderly hold that. So um, I think that's really important for people to, to go about their healing journey. Um, How do you define spiritual or intuitive healing? I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but like, what is your definition of that as far as like with what you do? Well, so, you know, there's actually a multiple, but um, one of the ways I define the spiritual healing is um, using medical intuition and medical intuition is really about connecting with your spirit and your spirit guides, your God, and having them basically show us. And I use a reading screen because I'm more clairvoyant than I am clairaudient um, or uh, claircognizant, and, which is kind of like an inner knowing. Clairaudient is more like hearing messages. Clairvoyant is where you see pictures or movie screens or objects. And so um, I just allow your spirit to basically show me what's going on, your higher self, what's going on in, in the physical body, the energetic body, and also the spiritual body. And so you can kind of go down a rabbit hole there, but basically it's just allowing your higher self to guide you where your health issues are that otherwise can't be shown on a lab test or some diagnostic test in a conventional or integrative medical field. And so once you learn like what's going on in the physical, energetic, or spiritual body, then you can perform intuitive healing methods, which I teach, you know, either in my individual sessions or my group coaching programs. And that's basically learning how to heal yourself using several clairvoyant um, or intuitive tools and techniques. And it's really just about bringing um, your source, your higher self, your love into the picture and healing whatever's going on in the body that you're seeing. And so the big thing is, is really teaching individuals how to do this for themselves. So instead of, um, you know, having someone do it for you, I actually like to teach 
my clients or um, uh, my group coaching program how to do it for themselves. And so that's kind of the meat of the program is really teaching you how to do the intuitive healing, getting in tune with your higher self, your spirit, um, and learning how to visualize or um, intend to heal yourself. So yeah, that's, that's how I do it. Um, other medical intuitives and spiritual coaches may do it differently. I just find it really powerful if you can also do it yourself and do it on a consistent basis, because so much goes on in life. You pick up so much stress throughout the day, so much emotions throughout the day that you have to learn how to heal that. And then yeah. there's also some other stuff that goes on like weird entities and foreign entities that you also have to learn how to clear for yourself that can also affect your health in ways that conventional medicine just doesn't get to. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that's involved in all that. It, so, it sounds really, to me, I, I understand what you're saying, but I feel like from like a lot of people, they go to the doctor, they're like, Oh, I need to go to the doctor for this. And I, I like to think of like, we're our best source of healing. And I mean, we sometimes need medications and we sometimes need surgeries and those types of things. But I think for people that are dealing with chronic things, we really have the answers in ourselves. Like our bodies are very good at healing itself. It, it's That's what it's meant to do. So, you know, we just sometimes need some help to kind of understand like what might be causing some things that are um, just labeled as a bunch of... Um, symptoms, you know, sometimes people have all these symptoms and none of it really makes sense. And it's just, just words. So to really be able to like tune into the the body and feel what you're, you're noticing is, I think is really important. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I think you are your best healer and you know what's best for you and using your own intuition can guide you to heal yourself. You just have to pay attention to those messages. Um, yeah. you, you have to learn the tools and it, can take some time, but the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And also, you know, even learning, so I'm certified in clinical hypnosis and I do that in my medical clinic um, and because it is a big uh, pain therapy, especially for kids and teens um, and well-researched. Well, using a lot of actually hypnosis methods um, is a way that you can use your intuitive healing. So if you can even learn how to do hypnosis, you can easily learn how to do your intuitive healing. So it kind of segues into intuitive healing for those people who know about hypnosis. And a lot of people might know about hypnosis from watching Olympic athletes, for example, where they visualize their um, competition, like say a gymnast, for example, is visualizing her floor um, routine and she's like doing her thing, closing her eyes and imagining her flips and stuff and winning the competition as an intention in her visualization. Well, that's hypnosis is that she is visualizing winning her competition as her goal. And so you can kind of use some of that um, techniques into that intuitive healing method. So it's kind of our natural ability, to be honest. Yeah, I, I totally love that. Um, why do you think that people are uh, not connected to that? Why have we lost that ability to connect to that, the very natural things that we have going on? Well, first, I think we are trying to be in this 
society and survive in this society and try and thrive with trying to be like all these other people. And we lose a sense of ourselves. Um, We become disconnected to who we are so we can impress everyone else. And we can, you know, get that promotion and we can get all those successes and be liked by our friends and not be isolated by being a weirdo. (laughs) And, And it's also the spirituality piece, you know, since you know, that separation of church and state, um, which in ways it was good, but oftentimes now we actually don't talk about our spirituality to other people, like, you know, to our colleagues, um, even to some of our friends, because we're afraid of being judged. And, um, and it might not be their belief system, which is totally fine. Um, So it's kind of tough to, you know, thrive in this society and be totally open about your spirituality, because typically, um, you're, yeah, you're kind of considered out there if you do talk about that. And it's not, it's not well researched. It's not, you can't see it. Um, you know, most people want to see stuff to believe it and, you know, really, um, and I, I'm, um, Christian actually, which it sounds so weird that I'm Christian, but, um, But um, even in, you know, the Bible, it's like, you know, what is unseen is the most valuable, Um, you know, having faith is the most valuable um, aspect in your life. And that's so true, actually, when it comes to health is just having faith that you can heal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at someone that's like negative and they're, I think I did an episode of this um, recently too. Like if you think you are not going to get, like, if you're not going to heal, you're not going to heal. That's what you think. So you have to come in with a different mindset. There has to be some kind of, you know, faith or higher power or something that's guiding you because like, you know, if you think it's going to not work, then it's not going to work, you know? Yeah. And, and that's exactly it is like that higher power. And, you know, mine is God and Jesus Christ. And it's like, they are limitless in their power. I mean, they have so much more power to heal me. And, and that's why I use them a lot in my intuitive healing uh, methods is, I mean, their power is limitless compared to mine. And I'm using their power to heal myself because, I mean, their spirit, I mean, my spirit is their spirit, their spirits within me. And so, um, and I just have a lot of faith in that because number one, uh, it's healed me and I, you know, and I'm so evidence-based I am, you know, a doctor I've been, I I've, I've had many research studies. I've been published in, you know, peer reviewed medical journals. And, um, but this is, this is honestly what I, I feel is really the foundation of healing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, um, how do people kind of find that connection to themselves, you know, with the, their higher power, whatever they, you know, whatever their faith is or whatever they believe. Some people, I work with some people that are very in tune with that and, you know, they, they believe that. And then other people, maybe they don't have that, um, you know, that connection to a, a, a source. So how do you speak on that? You know, um, a lot of the clients that I've worked with that kind of lost that connection or maybe haven't had that connection is there is usually some blockage there. Um, and it it does take a little bit of spiritual healing kind of going in there and checking out what that blockage is. Where Where is that disconnect where you can't connect to your higher source, your higher power? And wh- where is that coming from? And Honestly, a lot of it comes from for from the clients that I've worked with is 
not feeling worthy enough of that connection with your higher power, um, potentially being disappointed in yourself. And um, that also leads to not feeling worthy of that connection. Um, Being um, disappointed about what would happen if you relied on that higher power and what if you didn't heal, that is another blockage that I've had from clients. And so oftentimes it, it just takes a little bit of love and forgiveness and healing on that side in order to start connecting with their higher power. Yeah, that makes sense. Does that lead to people becoming more of their like authentic self? Do you think that those two things are, are related? Yeah. Because the, the spirit that exists within them is connect connected to their higher power. So it, it, it is a two-way street. Yeah. Yeah. Have to have the the wisdom somewhere else. We have to draw that in. And, you know, I work with people every day and there are things that nothing can explain. (laughs) There's like no explanation for the stuff that goes on in a session that I work with that you can only relate to source, you know, because it's like, I can't explain this. I'm sure there's no medical reason that this just happened. So we just have to like, you know, I just have to let it go. Like, okay, this is coming through. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And and just allowing instead of resisting that piece. Sometimes we're like, whoa, this is something strange. And then we shut it down. But just kind of allowing that to flow is just so important on that healing path. Yeah. And I find the more that I allow flow in all areas of my life, more things flow easier. So just, you know, I know these are like, tried and true things that people say, but when you actually feel it, you're like, oh, it does work. It does. <laughs> yes. Allow it to come. It works. It's like, oh, just keep reminding ourselves that yeah. <laughs> every time we resist. Yeah. Yeah. just got to go with the flow. It's so true. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people to like integrate small changes in their lives that kind of can help them to bridge this gap? And yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I usually talk a lot about on podcasts is, uh, following your joy and following your happiness. Cause that actually leads you back to your true authentic self. Um, and the other thing about following your joy and following your happiness is that not only are you getting connected back to your true authentic self, But if you do have uh, chronic health issues, that actually helps your chronic health issues because that, that those feelings are actually part of what's called reprocessing therapy that changes those pathways and, uh, and helps you adapt to heal your body because they're very positive emotions. They're higher vibration emotions that actually do heal your body physically, um, in the physical health sense versus the emotional health sense. Um, and so I usually recommend people who are in, um, an emotional, a downward emotional spiral where they're feeling guilt, shame, resentment, um, maybe they're berating themselves or, you know, they made a mistake and, um, they're degradating and those, 
all those feelings actually can worsen chronic pain. They can worsen um, physical health issues in and of itself because of its lower vibration energy. So um, I usually recommend um, people looking at that, um, if they actually Google emotional spiral, um, they can actually follow their emotions upward and kind of recognize them. So the first thing is awareness and really kind of following, you know, that happiness and joy, which are higher vibration emotions and what brings them happiness and joy. And, um, in their present life, this doesn't have to be tomorrow. This doesn't have to be, you know, five weeks from now when they can go on vacation to be happy. What brings them happiness and joy that they could be doing right now? Um, mine would be like paint by numbers. Um, I seriously do these ridiculous paint by numbers all the time. And then I get super unhappy if if I don't get a chance to do them. But I mean, all these like small little things can just bring up those feelings, that higher vibration emotion, which changes your physical health symptoms. So yeah, just like little things like that. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. I like to do, um, in the mornings, I have like a gratitude journal. I like to write things that I'm grateful for. And it just, it's just a good way to start my day. Um, because some days just, they just suck, you know, there's just not, they're not always the best and brightest. So you have to sometimes have something else too. So it's like, I have to be grateful for what is right here today, you know, Yeah. because it's hard yeah. to, sometimes we think about the past or we're worried about the future, but what is actually happening right now, I think is where we, you know, make our changes. Yeah. We don't have to wait. Um, yeah. And gratitude is actually one of the gateways to actually manifest positive health. Um, they've actually studied that. So that's interesting that you do. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, I, there's actually been a couple older studies, but I think there was a newer recent study. I have to kind of dig that up, but, um, yeah, gratitude actually helps your physical health issues. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I actually I was intuitively that. healing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I would say it's just small little things that you can do consistently. That's it. Perfect. I love that. Okay. Well, um, where can people find you if they have more questions or they thought that this was great? Where Where are you at? <laughs> I, I, my best site is probably, um, health is power.com. So it's P O W H E R.com. Um, and you can set up, um, a chat with me if you're interested in any of my sessions or group coaching programs. Um, and, uh, I have a free uh, Facebook group. It's called health is power. And I actually show up um, weekly on there and have a lot of live videos. I also provide a lot of free resources. So that might be a good place for your audience too. Um, and, um, you can also listen to, um, my podcast. It's health is powers podcast on, um, Apple Stitcher and Spotify, I believe. And I think the links are on my website, healthispower.com as well. So you have a great podcast, by the way. Ah, thank you. You're going to be on it. So I'm super excited. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I will link all of this in the show notes so people can um, check you out for sure. So do you have anything else you'd like to share with my audience today? 
I think those are the biggest ones. If um, you're interested in learning more about um, intuitive healing, uh, one of my teacher, um, she wrote a couple books, Deborah Katz, uh, and one of her books is called You Are Psychic. Yes, by Deborah Katz. And she kind of outlined some of those intuitive healing methods in there. So you guys can all like brush up on it and see what it's all about. Um, she, she has two other books too. Sometimes you can buy them as a package together on amazon.com. Um, Deborah Katz, K-A-T-Z. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you. being on an episode of Return to Ease. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Return to Ease. Before you go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode.